This show is broadcasting live from Detroit Sound Studios above Activate Gaming and is part of the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 41 of the Ninja Starship Podcast. This is the Great Philadelphia Comic Con pre show. The Great Philadelphia Comic Con is this weekend, April 22nd through the 24th. The Points of Interest Podcast Network is the official podcast network of the con, featuring an elegant weapon as the official podcast. So mark it on your calendar, set notifications on your devices for April 24th at 3 p.m. Panel Room 3, myself, Josh Hawks, and host of An Elegant Weapon Podcast and newest member to the Podcast Detroit family, Mr. Jason Clark, will be presenting An Elegant Weapon Live, a podcast panel, Sunday, April 24th at 3 p.m. in Panel Room 3. We will be covering the how-tos of podcasting, sprinkled with fanboy enthusiasm for a more civilized age. Moderating panels throughout the weekend, so I'm sure you'll be able to see us, you know, throughout the weekend, uh, the whole time. And the man in charge, Stan Kanopka, will be joining us later on in the show to let us know more about what to expect this weekend at the Great Philadelphia Comic Con. For more info, go to philadelphiacomiccon.com. And our website is finally done. Thanks to the great people at Squarespace, Ninja Star Pod is now live. You will find links to past episodes, photos in studio and out at conventions, plus an awesome deals link that brings me to announce our new show sponsor, Amazon.com. Click the awesome deals link and any item you purchase gives a direct kickback to the show and helps with production costs so we can help deliver you the best content possible. Will, you had some announcements. Yes, coming up on April 30th is International Tabletop Day. This event hosted by Geek and Sundry can be found all over the world in multiple comic shops and gaming centers. So check out um, geekandsundry.com slash tabletop day to find the event by you. And then on May Saturday, May 6th, is the greatest day of free nerd, comic book nerd, day. Yeah, nerd, <laughs> nerd, um, nerd fandom. Free comic book day. Go to freecomicbookday.com to find the store by you. Um, I will probably be hitting up like four or five shops. <laughs> and make sure that you actually do spend some money on free comic book day. Don't just be that douche that grabs free comics and leaves. You know, make sure you spend some money there. That's the whole point of it. Yeah, make sure you check out, you know, especially when you're in the comic book shops, look for the smaller indie presses. Maybe source print. Maybe point source press. point press. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's all I had for announcements. What about you? Is that it? Uh, that's it, I guess. All right, let's start the show. Jess, Starship Engage. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, What's up, Ranger fans? This is Steve Cardenas, a.k.a. Rocky the Red Power Ranger. Hey, this is Eugene Clark from George Romero's Land of the Dead. Hey, this is Jason Font from Power Rangers Time Force. Hi, this is Mike Zapsick from AMC's Comic Book Man. And this is Ming Chen, also from AMC's Comic Book Man. You are listening... And you're listening to... The Ninja Starship Podcast with Jimmy McKnight. Our favorite podcast. It has begun! Oh, yeah! Woo! I am awesome! You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole is.
we are live. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It is episode 41 of the Ninja Starship Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy McKnight. It is 5 o'clock, and we are live from Podcast Detroit Studios above Activate Gaming in Ferndale, Michigan. Joining me, as always, in studio, my partner in pod, Mr. Wookie Will. How's it going, guys? And the Overwatch to my starship, Miss Jess. Hey. Hey. <laughs> so I went to a, uh, I went to a metal show. Uh, a, the day Which, before yesterday, I went to the metal show at the Corktown Tavern downtown, okay. and I went and saw uh, these bands. One, uh, Manic Outburst was one of the bands, okay. and uh, uh, Wolf Hook was the other band, and then there was another band called Game Over, and they were from Italy. And no these guys joke. are like, they're no joke. These guys are thrash metal bands, and they were so badass. Like we saw this one, the the one band Wolf Hook. They all kind of came out, and they all had this look to them. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So we're sitting there, we're watching them, and they all got this look to them. They all got like their their jean cuts with all the patches on them, like Iron Maiden <laughs> and Slayer and all this shit. Slayer. And like I'm watching these guys, and like they start like a little warm up, and their their music was badass. Right. And I'm like, the only thing that's gonna make this better, I swear to God, is if their singers like what. You know, uh-huh. and like he warms up, he's all yeah. I'm like, oh my god, he does. <laughs> they they start playing, dude. They're so badass, and this guy just comes in like, Wah! you know, I'm like, oh dude, this you is do like, that pretty good. Maybe you should you. be in a metal band. <laughs> <laughs> These guys were like, I mean, they were right out of uh, you know, like, right out of late '80s metal. They were they were absolutely oh, wow. amazing. totally great show. I was there taking pictures for uh, Manic Outburst. And uh, I, I stand up on the uh, on the speaker there. Okay, yeah. I'm actually on the PA because like the whole crowd, it was it was f- there was people shoulder to shoulder. It was oh, insane wow. for this. So I'm like, the only way I'm going to get good pictures yeah. is if I get on the speaker. So I get on the speaker and I start taking pictures. Not even halfway through their second song, I almost eat a mic stand because the mosh pit's going so hard. I get knocked <laughs> off the speaker. I like grab the mic stand to hold myself from like you know impaled death. Yeah, you know it was it, it, everything you'd want from a metal yeah. show. You know, I got hit in the Sounds face like with beer. You, you know, I, I left there smelling like piss and blood. I mean, there's nothing better. <laughs> awesome. You know, when you leave a metal show, did what you more crowd do you surf? Want? I didn't crowd surf because I had my camera. Otherwise, oh, okay. I totally would. All right, you like get a pass been, for that. I feel like that would be an excellent picture, though. Yeah, oh, <laughs> you're crowd surfing. You're just holding the camera and getting like great shots of the stage. Yeah, that would be kind of cool until someone drops you, right? Or you right. like you jump fall. because someone just grabbed your junk because that happens <laughs> if you've ever crowd surfed. Like people are just groping the shit out of you. I don't think that happens when, so much for guys. Yeah, I think that's a major problem that it's chicks girl, deal with. Yeah, it's girl I've actually seen guys. It's like, fun. I've seen the what getting groped? No, oh. the crowd surfing. <laughs> I've seen. I've seen. Uh, I, I've seen guys like actual actual bands stop the. Show show because girls are getting groped so much by by uh, all the people that they're crowd surfing with like, well, like I mean, what the fuck are you doing and then the whole crowd like 100% sides with the band you know and then like <laughs> zeroes in on the on the last guy that held the girl up you know like <laughs> all 90 of you were doing it for but it. now because you know the guy, the the dude in the band says something now you're all right. zeroing in on the last guy yeah know? that guy gets all the heat that guy gets all the heat he's and all I got I got lead cuz you know it's a metal concert <laughs> absolutely in the mosh pit I've, I've that's never- Happen. Never crowd surfed before. You never crowd surfed before? No, I mean when when you're my size, you don't crowd surf very often. I did it one I've time. Seen, I've seen heavier dudes, you know, going across. I think there's it's all dudes. in your determination, man. There's dude, yeah. there's uh, those dudes. I, I'm just afraid someone will drop me. I was afraid. I'm always the guy who's like Someone lands on me though, mm-hmm. and I just push them up as hard as I can, like throw. Well, them. yeah, you like <laughs> you like project them across like the stadium. Yeah. <laughs> the last time that I crowd surfed, 
I think it was at a Stone Temple Pilots concert out of everything. And I crowd, I crowd was awesome, man. They were in their time. They were badass. I wish I was on live. I'm jealous. And, uh, I, I see them live and I crowd surf and I crowd all the way up to the front and I get right by where the security guards are like, you know, either put them down or get them over. Right. You know? And I get set down and then I'm there for maybe five seconds. And you know how, you know, they got the lights all over the place. Well, yeah. all of a sudden in them five seconds, I have a complete eclipse over me and I'm thinking, oh shit. I look up and a girl probably in the 300 pound range was crowd surfing. Everybody decided to get out of the way when it came to me, and this chick just lands right oh, on no. just pow. Oh. I'm down to the ground. I'm in. I'm on the floor filled with beer and God knows what else, and some fat chick. <laughs> probably a little and, pissed on you. Yeah, probably a little bit of pissed. You know, people not wanting to make it up to the bathroom. Just like, yeah, when in the when in the when in Rome, piss on the floor. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I uh, after after that, I never I never really crowd surfed. It kind yeah. of ruined it for me. I'm like, no, I just had some gargantuan chick fall. Right on my neck. I'm like, I'm, I'm straight. I'm Plus, good. dudes, like you have a better chance of getting dropped than a girl. Like, <laughs> so I'm just saying because you know they're gonna want to grab the TNA. So yeah, people aren't necessarily usually gonna drop you. That's true. So there's that. Did uh, anything else cool happen this week with anybody? Will? Uh, I started watching. You, started watching Unbreakable. Uh, Kimmy's Mitt on Netflix. It's, okay. It's season two premiered on Friday, so I've watched the first five episodes. I now, love. I don't know anything about this. Is this based on the M Night Shyamalan? No, 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 no. This is a. Uh, it's Tina Fey's first project. Oh, it's since, Tina Fey. Since oh, Rock. my bad. Okay. And it's about. It's the. Are you familiar with The Office? Yes. You familiar with the later seasons when they uh, were introducing <laughs> newer characters? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well. The later in the office, they get a new receptionist. Uh, and so the, the actress who played the receptionist is uh, the lead actress of this show. And it's basically she is a girl who, when she was in middle school, was kidnapped and locked in a bunker and like oh. a cult leader type thing. Mm. And then they were rescued, you know, when she's a little older. And so now she's trying to readjust to life. She lives in New York City. It's just this ridiculous, fun show. So this is Netflix. Yes. All right. Badass. It's called what again? Um, Unbreakable Kimmy Smith. Huh. I'm gonna have so. to check that out. I'm looking for a new show to binge watch when I have you know time to just chill and do nothing. That's what I do. I binge watch crap. All right. Yeah. If, you, if you're a fan of like The Office, Thirty Rock, yeah. Parks and Recreation, it's a good I show. I love Parks check and Rock. It was awesome. One of the I don't I, I, while we're on the topic of Netflix, before we get into news, okay, I got I got to bring this up. Uh-huh. Uh, I watched the Pee Wee Herman movie. Did you? Uh, the new Pee Wee Herman movie on Netflix. Like willingly? No one made willingly, you do it? Willingly. Yeah, willingly. Why? And it was because Sorry. I'm like, oh, well, you know, I remember the original and yeah. I love the original, the whole large marge and everything. I was I was, I was okay. hoping something great was going to happen. Yeah. How about that? I watched this movie. <laughs> it was actually awesome. Oh, seriously? It was seriously <laughs> awesome. I've heard nothing but good things about it. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, dude. Joe, Joe, wow. Man- Joe Mang, you, you'll love this, Jess. Joe Manganello. You know who he is? No. El Cid in uh, True Blood. He was the the werewolf. Oh, okay. You know so the, he was the real. Fine. Ma- oh yes, he's very fine. Yes, he's he's a fine man. Um, <laughs> he, <laughs> he, uh, he he's in this movie with Pee Wee. He co-stars with Pee Wee. Oh and really? It, yeah. It's it's comedy and action and the whole and like Pee Wee is actually like he's kind of a dick to people. You really? Know? Like in his own childlike innocence, he's a dick. 
and, um, and which, which makes it super funny. So like yeah. this, this whole time watching this movie, like yes, it's a bit juvenile. Yes, there's stupid parts to it. I'm but juvenile. I, I giggle every time someone says If you says listen wood. to this show, you're juvenile. That's just the way <laughs> well, it is. Yeah, and it, it was it was awesome. 100 percent awesome. I recommend it to everybody. Huh. The new Pee Wee movie. Well, you know, I, I, I think it's called Pee Wee's Big Holiday. But okay. I'm telling listen, get a six pack, spark one up, and enjoy okay. the new Pee Wee. It, it's, it's that good. Can I tell you about my weekend and I'll go Yeah, quick. yeah, go ahead, please, okay. please. So I went to uh, my best friend's getting married mm-hmm. and coming up, you know, soon, whatever. And dress shopping, all that happy stuff. Then we did, you know, the bachelorette party. Now, as you know, like dudes' bachelorette parties and chicks' bachelorette parties are like two totally oh, different things. Different worlds, yeah. Yeah, girls have like dick straws but and dick confetti. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, one exactly. One involves a lot more penis. Well, yes. one involves a lot more fun. So, and you, <laughs> like, you play all these games or whatever. So I have decided. If and when I ever decide to get married again or whatever, I am going to have two bachelorette parties. Oh. One, which is for like, you know, the regular stupid, like, oh my God, go to the bar and give your number to a random guy or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. And then the one where like we go all out and we go gambling and we go to the titty bar and dancers and strippers because you know what dress and drag can i come with you yeah absolutely (laughs) i mean i don't feel i feel like guys get all the fun when it comes to like okay you're gonna get married and this is your last to do and you know girls are doing shots and playing games and it's just stupid so i want to actually have fun and i'm gonna have like a kick-ass bachelorette party and i can only invite like my cool girlfriends that are going to be fun, you know what I'm saying, and aren't like, oh my god, it's a stripper. I don't want to look at the boobs, or oh, he's got a banana hammock on. So that changed everything <laughs> for me yesterday. I was like, all right, that's just not happening when I do that. Oh, Anyways, yeah. moving along. All right, well, let's get into news. Ready? Yep. All right, it's time for the fucking news. <laughs> News. <laughs> All right, it's time for the fucking news. First on the uh, on the news list is John Carpenter, the legendary director, is coming to Detroit, Michigan, seven fifteen two thousand sixteen. That is July fifteenth two thousand sixteen to the Masonic Temple. Uh, I seen this on a Facebook post. He says he's bringing his first ever live tour to the Detroit Masonic Temple on Friday, July 15th, and he hopes to see everybody there. Will, weigh in on John Carpenter coming to Detroit. Very exciting. Yes. Um, um, is he... Is he doing, coming to promote a new project? Like, is it going to be like a screen of a new movie and then Q and A afterwards? Uh, or it doesn't say anything, but the flyer is is uh, Escape from New York themed. So maybe there's going to be some, you know, uh, maybe he'll he'll preview uh, Escape from Detroit as the next thing that he's going to do, which would be awesome, actually. Yeah, that would be sweet. Do you remember Escape from L.A.? When yeah. the guy's like, and he's like, and you'll know that this fucking city can kill anybody. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, if that was Detroit, it would be so much awesome. Just way, way, I was going to say way more better. <laughs> I feel like they referenced Detroit in Escape from L.A., but I don't remember it. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. I, I remember the blue ba- the blue backs and the green backs. Yeah, because I mean, at one point they kind of give a like, this is what the world's currently like mm-hmm. in the U.S. and the status of. It. I feel like they mentioned Detroit, but I don't remember what the status is. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I remember that those movies are great, though. <laughs> Even now, they're great. Like they're they're old school, 
but they're still great. Like Snake Bliskin. Come on. Yeah. Well, it's one of those movie properties they keep whispering about remakes. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see. Uh, in Star Wars news, J.J. Abrams clarifies that Ray's parents are not in Episode 7. I don't believe him. You don't believe him? No, I don't believe him. Well, it says, uh, this is coming from uh, EpicStream.com, that last night, J.J. Abrams at the Tribeca Film Festival, J.J. Uh, Abrams shared a surprising clue about the identity of Ray's parents when a fan asked about it. Quote, unquote, he says, Ray's parents are not in episode seven, he said to the audience. So I can possibly say in this moment who they are, or I'm sorry, so I can't possibly say in this moment who they are, but I will say it is something that Ray thinks about. So, I mean, you got people saying that she's a Kenobi, uh, all kinds of new fan theories are are coming out because of this. Yeah, well, I mean, the Kenobi theory was the... Was the number one theory after seven came out? Mm-hmm. Was there so much evidence that it, she is probably uh, Kenobi um, descendant? Especially since both Obi Wan Kenobi speak to her in her dream sequence. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Um, I I think he might be messing with the fans a little bit. Uh, that they kind of know. a little bit of misdirection, yeah. Some, he, some classic JJ Abrams. Yeah, he kind of said that going to seven. He was trying to drop misdirection hints, and you know, he's good about letting you know what he wants to know and what they don't. But yeah. it's the, definitely the big mystery of episode eight is going to be is who's raised parents is. I'm interested to see how quickly into the movie they address who the parents are. Mm-hmm. But who do you think the parents are? I don't know, man. Like, it, it, you know, everybody wanted to believe that it was, uh, you know, she was a Skywalker. And you see all the, like, I, I just saw something the other day that showed, like, the ship, you know, in Episode 7 where it, like, shows her when she's a child and she looks up and sees that ship go away. Then there was, like, that drawing of Luke's ship that looks exactly like it and all this. And Well, there's it, so much stuff that she does. That is classic Skywalker trait, mm. but the maybe that's just because that's what we've seen so far as Skywalker. That those traits could be just Jedi traits. Yeah, well, but we I mean, know them as Skywalker traits. Yeah, but I mean, you, you do in the prequels, you were induced to a lot of Jedi, mm-hmm. and a lot of them didn't have some of the traits. Like just the, the way she looks and acts, though. But like the way, like her interaction with BB-8 is very similar to how Luke interacts with R2D2, mm-hmm. and on a level like and how Anakin interacted with. R2-D2 and C-3PO. You know, she mm-hmm. said this level where they don't view them as droids. They just view them as another person on the street. Yeah, yeah. Being a fantastic pilot. Because there's no way that she should have been as good a pilot flying the Millennium Falcon that without she was. Without being Force-sensitive. Without being Force-sensitive. And without being a Skywalker who they've established in all three generations mm-hmm. were fantastic pilots. Mm-hmm. To where Obi-Wan was... A little nervous about flying at first, and they kind of later established him as a better flyer. So let me ask you this, because I just got into this debate. Uh, I, I think it was last week with uh, who we talked about earlier, Jay Clark from An Elegant Weapon. Um, who would win in a fight, Batman or Kylo Ren? Because I picked Kylo Ren, and the only reason that I picked Kylo Ren is because of his force sensitivity. I'm sorry, but the, all the amount of, and this is Batman without planning. Batman yeah. without planning, okay? Without planning, I'm sorry, but I can force choke you and from wherever I could, if I can stop a laser blast in midair, I can stop a batarang or whatever else you have to throw at me. And as much as always, yes, it is always Batman. Batman always wins. It's, I, I'm sorry, without planning, 
Kylo Ren takes it. Just like in Superpower Beatdown, how we saw Batman versus uh, Darth Vader, and that was with planning, but shit didn't go as planned as it wouldn't with the Sith Lord. You know what I'm saying? So No, I, I agree with that. Ba- I think Batman could beat Kylo Ren if he was able to scout them out. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think he would play mind games with them and get, catch them off guard. Kylo you know? Ren? Yeah. The guy that can pull thoughts from your mind? Yeah. I the think, ultimate mind well, fucker? That's what I'm saying, though, is I think Bruce Wayne would train himself to think thoughts to throw him off. But you how much mean? planning do you have to have to, 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 to make your mind, you know? But see, but that's the thing, though. So, so in the DC universe, there's a lot of people with telekinetic powers uh-huh. and telepathic. Yeah. So I think Batman, in, in general, Bruce Wayne, especially Bruce Wayne. Like this is old hat to him. He understands. Yeah, he has to hide his identity people. So I think he probably has trained himself to do it. To think that um, he's, you yeah, know. Yeah, because this is something that a lot of superheroes. I'm really Clark Kent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> a lot of a lot of comics do do this. Especially the DC and the Marvel universe have these characters that acknowledge that they've had training against psychic attacks, yes. which I think the Jedi would be. So I think with some planning, I think Batman can give him a run for his money. But it just depends. It depends how strong, how forced strong in his training Kyra Ren is. Right. Because there's some questions that Kyra Ren in Episode Seven. Is still just an apprentice, so uh-huh. he hasn't even reached his full potential of his powers yet. Right on. I uh, I, I completely forgot that the sponsor for this segment <laughs> is uh, the Falling Down Beer Company. They're providing us with this delicious Five Goat Army IPA, and uh, it's that, wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. It's just total tasty. Listen, listen, listen. <sighs> that's the that's Five Goat Army delicious right there. <laughs> Thank you, Falling Down Beer Company. <laughs> Um, okay, well, t- t- well, we had a we had a um, we had a, uh, a, a Twitter poll to uh, who has the better man cave, Batman or Superman, Batcave or Fortress of Solitude. Now let's break them down because Fortress of Solitude, yeah, it's probably really fucking cold. He doesn't have climate for for humans there. It's out in the middle of, of freezing weather. Uh, it does have futuristic technology because it's got. You know, advanced civilization, Kryptonian technology. Um, other than that, it seems like a pretty boring, cold Wikipedia center. You know, like a, like a really shitty internet cafe. Um, now the bat, the bat cave has up to date future military technology, military grade. Say, it's the stuff in bat caves not on the market. <laughs> not on the market. Yeah, this is this is military grade stuff. Yeah, he doesn't have a, a pentium of. <laughs> But okay, so he's got all that. He's got his badass back computer. Uh, it's more, you know, the the climate's more for people, obviously, versus the super cold place. So, where would you? What would you say? Who has the better uh, man cave? Is it the Fortress of Solitude, or would it be the Bat Cave? I think it's the Bat Cave for multiple reasons. Because the Bat Cave won one hundred percent. Everybody, everybody voted. There's a lot more cooler stuff in the Bat Cave, especially for us. Be- it's you push a button inside a statue and you go down a fire pole and you're in the Batcave. Right, Versus right. unless you're Superman or the Flash or like Wonder Woman, it's kind of and a pain in the ass. you're getting some history lesson get. by some person in a glittery robe. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a pain <laughs> in the ass to get to the Fortune of Solitude. You know, and it's I like, agree. I, not, I see what Superman's you're saying. Superman's not exactly. Plus the Batcave has Alfred. 
So it does have Alfred. <laughs> it does. That these these are true these are true things. So like and the only reason that I came up with that poll is because I was sitting at work one day and I'm like, wait a minute. I wonder who's got the more badass man cave with all this fight about Batman v Superman. What about where the, their layers, yeah. you know? And then the Batcave gets Way, he, he's he's at the Batcave way more often than Superman's at the Fortress of Solitude. Yeah. Like Superman's Batcave is really his one bedroom apartment that he shares with Lois <laughs> yeah. versus the actual Batcave. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of like Bruce Wayne's uh, Batcave is kind of like you know it's it's really that's his house, mm-hmm. and then you look at more of his mansions, more of like his hangout spot. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, you posted something on here about the. Uh, Oh, I lost it. Oh, shit. Okay, Doctor Strange. We got our Doctor Strange trailer. Oh, yeah, did you watch that? I did watch it. I think it looks awesome. Um, I, You know, I, I'm not – I can't say that I, I'm an expert in Doctor Strange because I'm really not. I never Same got here. into him in the comics. You know, I, I understand he was a quality character, so when he showed up in crossover issues and things like that, yeah, you paid attention to Doctor Strange because Doctor Strange is a badass. He's that much of a badass that you know without even reading his comics – that he's a prominent badass character. Um, as far as uh, the look, you know, I, I still side uh, uh, with my boy Dave Griffin that uh, Keanu Reeves should have been uh, Doctor Strange. But I will say that uh, Cumber Biatch does a uh, does a great job. Um, well, at least with what I've seen in the trailer, he he he's 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 pulling I, I, it off. I think I think they were smart too. Like so, Keanu Reeves probably would. would, would Done the job just as great. It would have been sweet. But I don't think he would have brought in a younger, newer audience the way that, that Cumberbatch will. Right. I think Cumberbatch will bring in some people who kind of casually like the Marvel films, like the ones who would show up to the Avengers movies but didn't necessarily go see Ant-Man or didn't necessarily go see, you know, Captain America 2 mm-hmm. or, you know, you know, so some of the, the fringe films. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it's going to help them sell that, especially since they're selling a character who – is a little less known yeah. to non-comic book readers. You know, people who didn't step inside a comic book shop may not know who Doctor Strange is. True. Um, which is what they did with Iron Man. I mean, the first Iron Man movie, Iron Man was kind of a B, maybe a C character at mm-hmm. the time. You know, it's the reason why Fox owns the X-Men, Sony owns Spider-Man. Right, You right. know, it's because those were the popular characters at the time. Yeah, yeah. It's well known that the characters that Marvel has right now that have <laughs> they've made – just billions of dollars <laughs> off of were the leftovers. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was your B squad, and when they turned them into their legit A squad, and you love them, yeah, you love yes. them. And I'm sorry, like, listen, now, now that we're seeing trailers or more trailers for for Civil War and everything, and like the whole Batman v Superman thing, and then this thing with Civil War coming, and everyone saying like, you know, this is this, and and DC is this, and Marvel is this, like. The, that's the more that I validate my analogy about the Marvel jacuzzi theory and then the jumping in the pool real quick with, you know, the this DC movie going from the hot tub to the pool. You're shocked. You're like, I don't know what's going on. But even watching those trailers with the Civil War trailer, that made you feel good and you knew that this was going to be badass. You're watching it. You're like, man, I am 100% behind, you know, uh, Captain America. I, I, you're 100 percent there. You're 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 emotionally invested before the the thing even starts. Yeah, and it's just Marvel knows how to take an unknown character, samples Iron Man, you know, and turn it into a top property. Mm-hmm. I think they're gonna take Doctor Strange, or even like what they do with Daredevil, a property that that you know originally was viewed as not so great, 
And now it's like everyone loves that TV show. Yeah. Jessica Jones, you know. And so I, I think they're going to take Doctor Strange and they're going to add a new element in into it. And it's going to make it even better and slightly enhance the Marvel Universe for sure. Uh, you know, we mentioned the Powerpuff Girls premiere. I think it was last episode or the episode right before that. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I've been I've been watching Powerpuff Girls, and uh, j- just to kind of get the feel of what it's going to be, and 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 the like. My main complaint is that you remember the original. Uh, it it kind of gave their origin story in the opening credits, where it's like sugar, spice, and everything nice. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and Chemical X and all that. They don't do that. The, the, the new intro. Sorry, if you saw the old one, the new intro sucks. It's very like. Tweeny, you know, Powerpuff Girls, yeah, and then not amazing. But I, I'm not their target demographic. I'll give yeah. you that. But I, I Cartoon Network's one of those networks that kind of irritates me because some of their stuff they have is really great. Yeah. But they're really big on making certain shows for certain demographics. Yeah, this is definitely for that demographic. Now, given the new – okay, uh, the, the the two things that bother me about it are, A, the, the new intro, um, B, Bubbles – does not sound anything like she used to with the super high-pitched voice or anything like that. She still acts the same, but she doesn't have that Bubbles voice, which made it that much funnier when she would get super pissed off or something. Yeah. you know. But as far as like funny-wise, it's, it's, it's still pretty decent. I'll, uh, I, I'd say check it out. Just don't expect much from the opening track. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm not, I'm not loving it. Um, that's all I got for news. You got any, it wasn't too much in, in news this week. I can't remember it out of my head. Whenever I post, I always forget. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. All right. We're going to take a quick break real quick, and then when we come back, the CEO of Local Apparel is going to join us in studio. Ah, uh, Click, I want to say, I know you know a lot of super people, so thanks for thanking of me. A toe is a toe, and a roll is a roll. And if we don't get no toes, then we don't eat no rolls. Cup the coffee in the big time. Evolution has programmed our fabulous male brains to take anything anybody else thinks is important and make it bigger. Supernatural? No, supernatural. That's like a whole other level above super. In a world where podcasts are here one day and gone the next... The people call on one man to bring them a show that would save the planet as we know it. This is not that guy. From Podcast Detroit and the Points of Interest Podcast Network comes a show that talks about Power Rangers, the Macho Man Randy Savage, movies and TV shows, comic books and more. Brought to you by the host with the most, Jimmy McKnight. The Ninja Starship with Jimmy McKnight is live 5 o'clock on Sundays on Podcast Detroit. Email the show, ninjastarpod at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
All right, what's up, everybody? We are back live in studio. Joining us is the CEO of Local Apparel, Randy Krizminski. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. How about you guys? Oh, we're doing fantastic. It's wonderful to have you here. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Um, so you are you are in charge. You're the man behind Local Apparel. So what is uh what 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 would make somebody you know go to Local Apparel first? Like what sets you apart? From the other local apparel guys that are that are in the state, well, I would I would have to say the the one thing that keeps me separate from everybody else is that we will do anything that you would want. Uh, you know, uh, the reality is local is pretty much wherever you're at. You know, your surrounding areas it could be where you live, where you work, where you play, and you know we've well I sh- I say we, but I've realized that quite quite early on and uh you know local is a very powerful thing mm-hmm. um uh for example you have somebody who likes sports you can do uh you know local detroit football local detroit basketball baseball hockey mm-hmm. soccer whatever you want somebody's into the bar scene you know you can do local bartender local live music local detroit live music and here's the thing people they may want something, but they can't find it. Right. And I would be a source where an individual could go to and find exactly what they want when they want it and receive it in a very reasonable time frame. Not to mention get an American made product, no pun intended, local. Mm-hmm. How can you be local if you're not American made? True. Uh, you know, and you know, we, we also give back to the national, uh, cancer society fund. Oh, know, that's excellent. I, uh, we had I had a loss of uh, somebody very important to me not too long ago, and uh, I just kind of made a decision uh, in a split second that we were going to be part of something that gives back. Right. And you know we've since have done uh, shirts that say "Local Fighter," and I love a local fighter uh, for for cancer mm-hmm. uh, inflicted people and for people who love people who are sick, mm-hmm. and they've done very well. And like I said, it's a great opportunity for us to give back. Right on. So, um, where did you like? And what what I did like is because when I looked on the website, like you said earlier, it's not just local Detroit. You can put local New York or or local, you know, whatever your city any city, is. any state, any activity, any nationality. Uh, you know, we'll do local Italian, mm-hmm. local Polska, mm-hmm. you know, local Canadian. You name it, we'll do it. Uh, that doesn't just limit you to local Detroit, which is a great idea. You can expand to everybody that wants a local shirt. That is correct. I've actually just did a couple that were local podcasters. Oh, right on. Is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, anything and everything. Uh, the local Detroit's been huge. Uh, people from Detroit, uh, well, I'm from Detroit, and, mm-hmm. of course, we all feel the same about our city. You know, we love it. Absolutely. We're uh, proud to be, be part of it. And, you know, our uh, ups and downs and, you know. Moving forward is always a good thing. So people have been very responsive. So where did you where did the the whole idea of local kind of you know where did the brainchild originate from for for this? The uh, moment of genius, as I would call it, would yeah, be moment uh, of genius. I like that. That's would be in, in Traverse City, Michigan. I was uh, ironically enough, I had uh, several good buddies relocate up there during the crash that we had, the housing crash. Uh, they were builders, and uh, I was sitting with them. Uh, during my divorce, I was going up there quite often because I didn't want to be at home every other weekend when mm-hmm. I didn't have my uh, my uh, beautiful babies. Right. And uh, as I was visiting them, I got to know quite a few people in town. Uh, one night we were sitting in a restaurant and three separate groups of people had walked in and all three of them said not only hi to my friends, but they said, oh, hello, Randy, how you doing, buddy? And my, my friends that relocated up there said, man, 
you don't live up here. Don't act like you're local. <laughs> and uh, and I said, well, what are you talking about? And uh, they kind of explained to me that how you have to earn the rights to be considered local, uh, which I respect and I understood. And it made me think, I'm local Detroit. Mm-hmm. They're local Traverse City. And they had a passion yeah. about it. And I saw it. You know, Even though they were joking around with me, they were serious. Right. So with that, I made some shirts that said just – the word local on them and I brought them up to my friends the next time I had seen them in Traverse City and I said hey guys here you go and next time we're out you guys wear this I won't wear one and they'll know that you're local and I'm not how right. about that okay <laughs> so that's how it was born that's awesome I did a little post on Facebook in 2011 and I think I sold about 40 pieces without even having a business wow. or a piece of clothing outside of the three that I had made for those guys up, up in Traverse so yeah so this was established so, in 2011 uh yeah. Wow. Uh, November 2011, this will be our fifth year. And and, and looking back now, how much do you, would you say that this has grown since Oh, man. We've sold tens of thousands. We've been in stores that were located in Somerset Mall, Partridge Creek Mall. Uh, so you've had retail presence. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. We're all online now. We still do sell to retailers, but we sell to them wholesale. Um, and, again, all avenues of sales are, are doing well. People... Uh, they just love the fact that they can make what they want when they want it. American made, good quality apparel that, you know, they can be proud of. What are some of the marketing strategies that you've that you've taken with, with local? You know, the most successful marketing strategies that I've found is just getting pictures of people who have bought it mm-hmm. and posting them on social media, whether it be Instagram. Facebook, you know. That's what I was going to ask. Next was your, your online presence. What, oh, yeah. How's your online presence? We're looking to grow. Right on. You know, I mean, locally, no pun intended, we're uh-huh. very well known. Everybody knows local Detroit. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I've seen your shirts before, even before we even got in And we're looking to get more of a national presence. And we're already in the works of doing that. Again, easier said than done. Yeah. But, you know, when you have a good product like we do, and when you have something that the public likes like we do, it will do what it's going to do right and this will go and be big and, and social media is a, a beast all its own man like i think everybody's looking to grow once they you know get into that beast of social media everybody's trying to bring traffic to their sites and and things from that you know yeah. um we had mentioned uh earlier you said uh certain celebrities uh have actually uh worn the local shirts uh, what, that uh, is correct who, yeah, who, who have you uh, had uh there's a uh member of kid rock's uh band uh that wears it quite often um, Jason Krause, mm-hmm. the lead guitarist. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Uncle Cracker has uh, sent me a picture of him holding it. I've got uh, a picture of Flavor Flav with a girl who has it on. I've <laughs> That's got great. Pavel Dotsuk of the Red Wings uh, wore it for a promotional video. And uh, Dino Cicerelli uh, wore my hat out uh, boating. I've got uh, Mike Posner. Uh-huh. Uh, holding it up, uh, one of my shirts that he had gotten. So, you know, we've been pretty blessed with uh, some uh, Detroit celebrities that uh, have made quite an influence on the uh, the uh, in- entertainment industry and the uh, sports industry. That's fantastic. Man. Yeah. Um, where would you like to, to to see local go? Like from where it is now, where would you? Where, what's your end game with this? You know, I'd like to buy Nike. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's a that's an excellent. That's goal. a great like, end game. You know, if you yes. don't have goals big enough, they're that scary. They're just no, not. They're not that, that big, right? Go big or go home. <laughs> is that your five year plan? No, I think, I think realistic probably more of a forty to fifty thousand year plan. But anyways, um, I what I would like to do, I, I realistically, I'd like to just get it to be a, a household name. You know, I'd like it to be nationally recognized. I would like to work with people who have uh, uh, licensing agreements. You know, how how cool would it be to have an NFL, you know, Major League Baseball, NBA, uh, NHL license agreement where local Detroit Red Wing fan. Yeah. You know what I mean? Local Detroit basketball. Yeah. I mean, we're limitless. That's the cool thing. And and if we get to a point to where the public feels like we have, you know, maybe burnt out, there's going to be another avenue of something that we can do again, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and and when you have an, an idea like this, it's limitless. It really is. It is limitless. I was going to say you have like a even though it says local, you know, it is still a very diverse name. Yep. So uh, you have the best of both worlds for this product, which is awesome. Yep. And uh, again, it, it, for professions, local nurse, local realtor, local whatever you want, mm-hmm. and you know we'll do it. Right on. Will you have anything? Yeah. Just how does one person approach you to get one of these custom orders made? Well, our website's address uh, is www.localapparel.com. We tried to get the most simple name that we could, and I believe that we nailed that. Mm-hmm. Uh, optimization with our website, because we are so new, we, we actually changed our business model. We went from uh, clothing that was not necessarily American-made to all American-made now. And with that transition, we did a website that is interactive with – uh, the user. So uh, let's say, for example, we had just this week someone bought uh, uh, a shirt that said local French bulldog owner. Okay. Now we made it and they were able to see it online, what it looked like right. after they typed it in. Um, go to the website, check it out. Our optimization is getting there. Now, I'm not worried about that because the website's so new. We just bought the local pair. We had a different web address before, mm-hmm. and that web, web address was number one when you searched it, but we want people to search local apparel. So okay. if you go to look for it, type in www.localapparel.com. We will come up, and it says live, laugh, love, local, and just play with it. Type in anything you want, make a shirt. It'll show you exactly how it'll look. And they're all unisex. I've had not one complaint from anybody that's bought any of our products. Right on. And I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah, we were looking at uh, the stuff you gave us, man, which thank you, by the way. We got uh, hats and shirts. You're welcome. And this is very, very quality stuff. Thank you. So uh, before you leave, we're going to have to make sure that we take some pictures in our fresh new uh, local apparel. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Very how, cool. How important was it to you to switch to all-American made products? You know, it was uh, very important because as, I, uh, as I've as i said earlier uh, in, in, in uh, conversation before we went on here, how can you be local if you're not American-made? You know? Absolutely. And I believe that. And, uh, again, all my friends, family, American businesses, you know, we got to support where we live. Hell, yeah. Um, before we let you go, uh, please plug all your social media and your website again so that everybody can find this awesome stuff. Absolutely. Instagram, we're Local Apparel USA. Facebook, we are Local Apparel USA. And the website, again, www.localapparel.com. 
com. And again, if you have any questions, just there's a message center on the website. Please mm-hmm. feel free to uh, log on and uh, send us uh, a message, and we'll definitely get back with you. And we'll be sure to put uh, links on our Facebook and stuff to, to link people to your site as well. Absolutely. So everybody that can hear us, they can get right to you. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, we're going to take another break, and uh, we'll be back in what? A couple more minutes. All right, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I was hiding under your porch because I love you. You're a disease, and I'm the cure. This is a nice ride, Batman. Real leather? Bat skin. It's expensive, but, you know, billionaire. I get the theme, but that seems a little cruel. I hate bats. You should see the cave when Alfred goes on vacation. Guano everywhere. F*** him. Learning something about my buddy. back we're gonna start comic buzz there it is Alright, this segment is brought to you by SourcePoint Press. SourcePoint Press is rapidly becoming a leader in publishing alternative fiction in the form of books, comics, and graphic novels. With a large focus on horror, pulp, and sci-fi, SourcePoint Press continues to produce quality content with both legends in the industry as well as new artists and writers on the rise. Check them out at SourcePointPress.com, on Facebook and Instagram at SourcePointPress, and on Twitter at SourcePTPress. Our first guest for our Comic Buzz segment is creator of Staunch Ambition, promoting his new Kickstarter, Brian E. Lau. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, man. Hell yeah. Thank you for uh, coming on the show. It's awesome to have you here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to be here. I've been looking forward to it. I know. It's been a while. We've kind of been chatting back and forth online, but we never got something set up till now. Yeah, I know. Uh, we met at uh, C2E2 officially and uh, um, just about to launch a Kickstarter. So I, I think this is perfect timing. we got like 11 days uh, going for this Kickstarter. So toward the end, it's pretty uh, intense. Right on. Well, uh, so so go ahead and, uh, you know, go, uh, give us your pitch. Tell us tell us what Staunch Ambition uh, is really about and, and, and what is going to make us want to read this. Uh, well, the quality of the art, I, I'm working with some great talent um, from Tyler Thaw as the main artist, concept artist for uh, uh, play, Sony PlayStation games right now. And I got some great cover artists from the industry, Freddie Williams II mm-hmm. and Koi Pham, um, collaborating and co-writing it with uh, John McNichol, uh, published author of the Young Chesterton Chronicle Chronicles. And... But the uh, pitch of the story, it's a sci-fi that would take place in our future, not in a galaxy far, far and away. Mm -hmm. And the tagline for my book is, Welcome to the New Enlightenment. So we had the Enlightenment with the scientific age and then technology as it advanced. Mankind, through technology, enters into this thought dimension, into the supernatural. 
So that's the overall concept and story, and then it deals with uh, a lot of the characters. And Staunch is a uh, company or corporation within the story that built a space station called the Ambition. Okay. And thus the name Staunch Ambition. And then on the Ah. angle, you see station and the uh, title design. So uh, if you like uh, classic good sci-fi and something, um, yeah, it's going to be similar in certain respects with some of the common themes in sci-fi, but uh, some of the, uh, um, there's definitely a unique and overall story that I'm going for here. That's why I'm doing it because it's so intriguing to me that I was like, I got to, I got to go for it and, you know, tell the story. So, so this, uh, I mean, what you're trying to really do with this is really stray away from, you know, the the typical sci-fi formula that falls, you know, uh, um, uh, driving a lot from Star Wars and things like that. Like you're really trying to get into your own path and find your own way with this. Uh, yeah, I mean, the story is uh, influenced by so many great things, such as Star Wars to Battlestar Galactica or the recent. A reboot or um, just just some of my favorite Orson Scott Card or whatnot and but uh, the, the intrigue of the ultimate story was something that I was like I haven't seen written or I haven't seen it done in, in this particular uh, vein so I yeah that's why I'm working my tail off and uh, trying to do something that I you know ultimately I'll be proud of so yeah it's just so you're saying that like you're finding the the influence from shows like uh, Star Wars or Battlestar Galactica, especially like Battlestar, really dealt with the struggle of, in a way, man creating their own demise with the uh, Cylons. Like, so you, you you kind of explain that a little bit more too. How like, the man's you know reaching for technological advancements ultimately like kind of their downfall in a way. Or are you looking at more as technology as more of a positive thing in man's life? I think it's both. Uh, you know, in my story, it's not. Uh, it's not definitely not just some downfall. Yeah, uh, the ultimate ending of Battlestar kind of. Actually, one of the uh, one of the sayings in my universe is because I kind of make fun of Battlestar's ending when they decided. You know, uh, spoiler, I guess, but they decided to fly everything into the sun. It's kind of like a derogatory term in my universe to kind of poke fun at that, but. So, like, when someone screws up, they were like, oh, you really flew that one into the sun. <laughs> but, uh, but, no, technology is both good and bad. So uh, the implication of entering into this uh, supernatural realm, not just entering into it, but with advanced technology, is kind of my intrigue. So those two kind of meshing together. Uh, when did you uh, when, when did you have the idea to, to make this? Like, at what point in your life were you like, you know what? I have this idea for this comic. This is what I'm going for, and I'm going to make this happen. What? what when was this? When, when did this all kind of? Uh, as our last guest said, our moment of moment of genius. When did you have your moment of genius? Uh, well, I, I think for the well, since in college, I kind of kept around doing um, a comic book, and one of the characters in this story, Azarus, was a character design in college. I did for just I had to do a comic book cover. And at that time, because I love comics and I'm an artist, I was kicking around doing it then, and it was more superheroish. But uh, just never went forward, and I, I'm kind of glad, it, or actually very glad, it didn't. Just because after putting it on a burner and then just coming up with some of these ideas, it turned into a sci-fi idea, and it matured, and um, it was so intriguing. So I would say that the, that started happening 
maybe five years ago where I just started writing ideas down and, and you know, intrigued with this ultimate uh, uh, outcome. So five years, I started writing things down in my notebooks. And, and then about two years ago, I started to fully pursue it. So actually getting some people on board, collaborating with them and, and you know, hitting the grind. So. What uh? What did you What did you do before you were uh, a comic creator? Uh what I still do. I have a day job, so you know I do technical illustration as my uh, day job. Oh, right on. Yeah, I've been doing that for over twenty years. I, I've worked in the printing industry. I've done graphic and commercial art. That's what I went to school for. So you know, I've done creative things. I've done animation. Um, I've dabbled in all kinds of things. So. Uh, but that's my day job, which I still have. So this is a this is a pursuit that we'll see how far I can take it. Fantastic. What's what's the hardest part been so far getting this comic off the ground and kind of getting the the first issue out? <laughs> oh man, every step of the way. <laughs> um, yeah, right now the next step I'm taking is the hardest part, and then that no. Uh, so I tell you what, the first the first most difficult aspect was. Finding a good artist, collaborating with somebody, finding somebody that um, was quality and that you can uh, connect with and, and committed to this project. So, you know, a lot of good artists are already doing something or they are working on their own idea. You know? So that was really stressful and took a while. And then I'll tell you what this Kickstarter is. It's tough being independent, you know, in publishing. So, you know, it's not like I have 10 years in the industry. I've done some covers way in the back, you know, in the past when, when I was younger for some independent uh, comics, Hall of Heroes, which uh, Ethan Van Schiefer came from and yep. uh, Trent Canuga. But uh, that's kind of hard, too, is getting this out there and building an audience, you know. You know, I don't have somebody marketing it for me, so. Right. Well, uh, with this being on Kickstarter, how many days left did you do? You said you had in your Kickstarter. Uh, we're at eleven days, so eleven days. And uh, what what are some of the what are some of the bonuses that people get for uh, pledging to the Kickstarter? Well, we've got um, exclusives on Kickstarter and some of uh, uh, limited ones. So I have a twenty or I'm sorry, double size issue, forty pages exclusive Kickstarter issue. So I'm not selling it outside of Kickstarter. I'm not mm-hmm. selling it at conventions. So if, and then I have uh, numbered versions of that. So uh, those are going. So if you want to get a, a numbered one, then you're going to, you know, you want to get over there uh, before they, they're all taken. So, but I also have some original art by Koi Fam who did one of the covers for my uh, preview issue. He works for uh, Marvel and uh, Disney. Um, so he's going to do a, a, a original head sketch of any character we'd like uh, that you would choose. And then I also have a uh, – it's a 9 by 12 for both of these. And then he, he's going to do a full body of uh, Azurus, one of my main characters. So, And then I have the Freddie Williams cover, 24-page 20, issue. And I have where you can have your face in issue one and then in issue two something great or – amazing happens to you so uh, i have several oh and i also have music that i had uh, original music written for the book so i love music really yeah i got i got a couple songs that you know i'm not a musician but i've always tinkered with and i've written a couple melodies and i always like imagine producing them into real music so i was like you know what i'm gonna do that so 
I took my two melodies. I found a group on Kickstarter called Elements of Cadence who just recently opened for Drowning Pool and just signed on with a label. So they did an alternative rock version based upon my uh, melodies and we went back and forth on the uh, writing of the song. And then an instrumental, techno, uh, techno-type instrumental piece uh, by Jason Conley uh, based upon my, uh, my melodies as well. So those are... S- part of the uh, rewards as well so now are there songs like to go along to enhance the the, the calm experience like is there like listen to this song starting on this page or is this kind of just something to add on it, 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 it does it ties in i mean if you look at the kickstarter trailer the uh, song fits perfect for the uh the theme and it's in the uh, trailer for the uh, the elements of cadence alternative rock version and then the um jason conley Song is more of like a movie score, and it, it's a, it's actually the theme. So, I, it's a beautiful piece of music. So, yeah, it fits right in with the music. It's not necessarily like uh, press play at this page, but it's it's still pretty sweet though. Doing the comic book that has its own original theme song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I watched the trailer uh, shortly before we uh, we did this podcast, and uh, the the trailer man looks looks great. And if it, that's that's the song you're talking about that plays on the trailer. Oh yeah, yeah. Hell Take yeah, another man. chance. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Uh, so go ahead and uh, go ahead and plug where uh, where everybody can can uh, get on the Kickstarter pledge and uh, you know look look forward to making this thing happen. Yeah, if they well, just so anyone knows how to type in staunch ambition, staunch is spelled just like launch except st. So s t a u n c h staunch ambition. A M B I T I O N. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you type that in Google, or if you go to staunchambition.com, or go to Kickstarter and just type in staunch ambition, uh, I think even just typing in staunch is enough. But uh, there's links on the Facebook page, on my Twitter account, you know. So uh, any which way you can get to it, which whatever is your easiest way, it's called staunch ambition. I spent about two months on this <laughs> Kickstarter uh, video and all that. So if you could just you know check it out and see what it's worth, you know at least give it a look and give it a chance. Yeah, the video looks great, man. The video is absolutely great, and we're gonna we're gonna put uh, links on our Facebook page as well, so people awesome. can can uh, that are listening to this can can link right to you. Um, awesome, Brian. Thank you so much for coming on, dude. It was an absolute blast to have you on. And Welcome. once this, once your your Kickstarter is all done and things take off, we definitely have to have you back on. Great. I look forward to it. All right. Very cool. All right. We're gonna take a quick thirty second break, and we're gonna come back with Bob Sally. <laughs> Oh, we're live. We're back. That was a quick 30 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, may I present to you the creator of Salvagers, Mr. Bob Sally. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on, guys. We met at C2E2. 
and there was there was sparks. It, there was there was okay. life. I mean, we, we hit it right from we, we shared whiskey. We had oh, yeah, we, we had a real bromance a bar, moment. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's the elixir right there. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so you know, <laughs> the same with the with with our last guests. You know, we, we like to go into all of these interviews completely unprepared, so that way we're that <laughs> we're that much more sold. You know, on your pitch on why we should get into to to what you have now with salvagers. This is already in. Uh, from what I remember online, is that issue five or issue six already? We're working on issue five right now. We're okay, working uh, on issue got five. The, uh, I, get, I just got page fifteen to review, which was amazing. It was great. So we are, you know, we're a little bit behind um, from the promises, but uh, we are. It's it's looking great, and um, I think most like most indie creators, you'd rather you know you'd rather push it back than pushing something out that uh, you're not proud of. So. Uh, so far, the pages that I'm seeing right now, I'm very proud of it. I think people are going to love it. It's each issue I like to think is a step up from the last, and this one definitely is a step up from the last one. Hell yeah! Um, <clears throat> so, for those that are that are not familiar, uh, please, you know, let it, let us in onto what Salvagers is is all about. What what is what is this amazing universe that you've created? Well, it's. Uh, the way I like to explain it is after any sci-fi adventure you've ever watched on TV or read in a book, this is what happens after. Uh, you know, after the uh, you know after the rebels have won and everybody's partying on Endor, the real adventure begins with uh, you know these licensed professionals that have to go out there and clean up all the junk that uh, you know the the battle has left in the galaxy, and they have to they have to clean it up, but they're also going up against you know, pirates and unlicensed pickers and militias that are all trying to get, you know, the, the pieces of the, the photon torpedoes and all that fun stuff out there that, uh, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, getting the unlicensed, uh, unlicensed armor, you know, the, the, the weapons out there that are just floating around after, you know, a Death Star blows up. Mm-hmm. Uh, these guys, it's their job to, to clean it up. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's after the credits are rolling. It's the next adventure that begins. So do any of these characters have 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 powers? Or are these just average Joe, you know, uh, uh, local local space group uh, type salvagers? Or is there do, do any of them have special abilities? I'm glad you asked that question. Uh, they don't actually have any special abilities like muta- like you know, like mutants or superpowers. But uh, as any alien race, like you could, you know, uh, an al- like we have um, Brigby who is a Graxon. And their species can regenerate, uh, and that's I, when I was creating this. I didn't want to have super, you know, superheroes or anything, but <clears throat> I figured with uh, with new alien species, you could have different abilities. Uh, but I didn't, I, you know, I wanted to do it in a different way where it wasn't totally like this awesome ability to regenerate, like you know, Wolverine can. Uh, so when you read Volume One, you, you know, there's you know, spoiler alert: uh, Big Breed gets his arm cut off. And it grows back. But in the process of him regenerating, his whole immune system uh, goes to where the limb needs to be regenerated, and it leaves him open to uh, viruses. So, so his species, like even though they're regenerating a limb, uh, they can get really sick and die while the process is happening. So, uh, and then the the big guy, he came from a planet that uh, that rained glass. So through years of evolution, his skin is almost impenetrable. Uh, and that you know, there's really no backside of that. It's just awesome. Like you know, he can he could take a you know he could take a blaster shot, and he's not going to feel it. Right. 
I'm just imagining these guys sitting in like a cafeteria complaining about their <laughs> the, the point about taxes or that they're not getting their mandatory break on time and stuff. Do you get do you get any of that stuff kind of like the mundane worker type stuff or is it all oh, just more like these fights with pirates? Like I'm sick of my boss coming by and yeah. doing shit every five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, just yeah, the, the yeah. petty work drama. <laughs> and that's definitely it. I mean you, you, you see like the way it was is I was like, you know, the the rebels kind of all fell together and they had this one common goal was to fight the Empire. Uh, in Star Trek, you got these guys that want to all be enlisted and they want to go explore space. These uh, these characters, they, you know, through choices they've made in their past, they now are basically cleaning up garbage in space. And just like any of us that, you know, we have a job and, you know, we didn't pick the people that we wanted to work with. And sometimes you don't get along with those people. Uh, but you know, and sometimes you do, you know, and, and there's, you know, there's one part in uh, vol- in uh, issue two where uh, Tyr, the big guy is, you know, he's complaining about Brigby that, you know, he left food in you know the refrigerator for about a month. Uh, so there, you know, while we do this series, there definitely will be, you know, issues with, uh, you know, I don't, I don't get paid enough. Uh, you know, the, the we're away, you know, we're, we're away from home too long or, you know, just the, like the the regular office banter, but also taking into account that they are out in space. But yeah, I mean, that, that was the main goal when I when I started writing this was we we had all these different sci-fi crews and teams together, but I just wanted to write this kind of uh, you know this kind of after effect uh, story where the crews were just you know they were just trying to make their way through the galaxy, trying to make a buck, and they all had a they had a job to do in a crew and sometimes they you know they didn't like what they had to do and they didn't like the people they had to do it with you know what really attracts me to this man is the fact that it's very blue collar based you know this is this is this because i'm a blue collar guy i've been a welder for 12 years this is you know it's in my blood and whenever i get to read stories that have that same element into them i connect with them that much more because the same thing that these guys are bitching about is the same thing that you hear me and everybody else every day bitch about in our you know everyday jobs which, Absolutely, yeah. That's what makes it that much more appealing, and and, and, and kudos to you for, for picking something like this, and especially sprunk, sprinkling it into sci-fi like it is. You know, this is like this is like Guardians of the Galaxy meets the you know the 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 the, the fucking nine to five blue collar job <laughs> type deal, which exactly. is so cool. You know, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm very much into the concept. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. And I tell you, when I first started doing it, I, you know, I think anytime you come up with something, I thought, you know, this is, this is a great idea. And so I, obviously I just went on Google and I just tried to search high and low, like of anything remotely close to it. And, uh, and I, luckily I didn't, you know I mean? I, you know, people were telling me like, oh, it's like Firefly. And I, and I, you know, at the time, I mean, I started writing this back in 2007 and I'd never watched Firefly. I never watched the movie Serenity. So immediately I'm like, all right, I got to go home. I got to watch that. So as I'm watching it, I'm nervous to be like, I have to scrap this whole idea. But as I was watching it, I'm like, okay, now I'm still good. Uh, and you know, and then after a while, I just realized I'm like, you know, this this is something unique. And uh, and then of course you're like, I got to jump on this, and I got to make sure that I do it fast and before somebody else, you know, does the same thing. And and luckily, I, I you know, I, I had a passion for it. I I always wanted to be a writer, and I loved comic books. When I hit a little writer's block, I decided like, all right, well, let's let's try to come up with this comic book idea, and and it worked out. And, uh, and and like a lot of new people coming into the whole comic book scene, 
you know, you think like, all right, well, I have a script. I'm just going to go find a, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to submit it to Dark Horse Comics and they're going to read the script. They're going to love it. And, you know, I'm going to make millions. But uh, you, uh, you find out that it's a little bit more taxing than that. And you, there's a lot more work. But where I am now, I mean, like that, I tell people all the time when they're just starting out, I'm like, you're at the fun part. You know, the, right. it's hectic now, but when you get further on down the line, you're going to appreciate the steps that the first steps that you took in the industry because that's, you know, that, those, those are the those are the steps that you took where you realize like I'm either going to do this or I'm not, and it really builds character in you too because it's hard and there's definitely times where you think like you know what I'm this isn't for me. I'm, you know, I'm going to stop and you keep pushing forward. And that's when you know, like, all right, this is something I really want to do. So it shows your character. Would you say that, the that, that, that's your biggest challenge is, is, is the mental of, of, you know, staying the course and, and keep doing this in the beginning. It was definitely, uh, there was times that, you know, George and I, George Acevedo was the original, um, artist on volume one. Uh, there were times when we were putting together issue one where, you know, months would go by and we didn't talk. And then I'd call, you know, I'd call him back and I'd be like, you know, hey, like trying to keep the momentum going. <clears throat> but it's like you don't really have anything when you have issue. You know, when you're working on issue one, you have no fan base. Uh, you really don't know how it's going to be, you know, how it's going to be received. So the work you're putting into it really is just for yourself. And uh, I found out, you know, we found out that we were going to have a baby. So I said to my wife, I'm like, I want to do this full throttle. I want to get uh, issue one done so I can have it in my hand. And I really thought like that was going to be it. You know, I was going to have a baby and I was going to, you know, have to do all that and, you know, uh, not really be able to keep doing this kind of hobby of mine. So when we we did it, I told George, I'm like, I just want to do it. I want to get it done. I want to be able to hold this in my hand and be able to say I did it. And when we did it, it kind of, you know, there was we we got a little bit of a fan base and we got picked up by a small publisher. So it was like, all right, let's do issue two. And then issue two, we got more fan base like it, it, it just kept rolling. So in the beginning, yes, like before we had anything completed, it, there was definitely times where I was like, this isn't happening. This is just a pipe dream. Um, but now looking where I am now and, you know, I'm so glad that I, you know, I really pushed through the wall and and kept it going because, you know, it's, it's, I've I've met so many great people, yourself included, and I've done so many fun things. And I could say now, you know, I, have completed something that I didn't, I never really dreamed I was going to be where I am right now. Uh, so, you know, it's one of those, you know, you could die happy type things and, but yeah, and to answer your question, the beginning it's it's the motivation is so hard because you don't know what you're you don't know what you're pushing for. Now, do do you have like an end in sight for this story arc, or like in terms of like do you do you want to get like issue fifty and then that would be the end of the series, or is this something you want to be able to do for the next twenty years? You know, oh, you I mean, I would love to keep doing this for as long as I can. You know, I, and a part of me thinks like long term where. Long after I'm gone, you know, it'd, it'd be great to just know that the story carries on, like you know, like Star Wars, Star Trek does. Um, yeah, you know, the, the the characters can die off. Um, I wouldn't mind bringing new characters in. Uh, I I'm a big believer in that. I think like you know, it's I, I like the you know I like the Game of Thrones technique where let's kill people. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> every- you know, if you if you're reading Salvagers, I, I like to think nobody's safe. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, every just that any job, people come and go. Like, just, yeah, people exactly. get fired. Like, you have in such, here, they get killed. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Yeah. You have <laughs> yeah, such you, a built-in way for people to come in and out of the stories and just people to develop. It sounds really interesting. Yeah, and, and right now, I mean, I have I have a, a, a an outline plan for. So right now, we're doing volume two. Uh, volume two script is totally written, and then right now, I have an outline for volume three, and I'm working on the script for volume three. Volume three will be kind of like the completed beginning outline, like where you have volume one, volume two, volume three, if you want to think of them as acts, like act one, act two, act three, and then that's completed. And then I have kind of notes for where I want to go after that. So, yeah, there's there's really no end in sight. I mean, one of my pitches I do at Comic-Cons is, you know, people uh, people are whenever they say like, oh, it's kind of like Firefly. And I'm always like, well, I'm not going to go away. Like as long as I have fans, this will never go away. So right uh, I really, I, I really love doing it. I love the characters. I've been working on these characters for a long time, and I enjoy writing it. So yeah, as long as I can, I actually have, um, I have two people right now that are writing spinoffs for me. Like they came and they brought me um, a, an outline idea, and one has to do totally with Brigby, and another one has to do with another crew. And uh, I like, I liked it. I was like, that's awesome. You know, go with it and. You know, so so it is kind of you know there's, there's there's some fandom there that's kind of created and it's very indie still, but it's kind of surreal to see that people are really uh, seeing it like something new that they want to attach themselves to. Did you find that uh, you know kind of like how how bands say with you know once they get signed you have a lifetime to write your first album and then literally a year to write your second album? Did you find that it was the same sort of deal when you came out with you know issue one of Salvagers, first issue two of Salvagers, and so on and so forth? Do you find that it's it's more challenging to to get you know the issues out in time and still keep it you know with the same quality content as the first issue? Well, I think with the first issue or, you know, the first volume, because I wrote the first volume, it took me three years to write the first volume. And that was before we had any artwork done or anything done. So that in that sense, it was like there was nothing happening. So it just it was basically just me writing it, you know, getting it to where I wanted it to be and understanding like how it would work uh, and what didn't work, you know, like what worked and what didn't work. And then when we finally started on the trail of doing volume one, it was like, okay, well now we're kind of locked into that. So there's no more changes, even though as a writer, you kind of look back and you're like, shit, I wish I would have done this different or that different. But then, yeah, like I think with volume two, you know, like, okay, I don't have three years to write it. (laughs) You know, it's you, uh, you want to try to get at least a comic book out, you know, twice a year. And that's even, you know, uh, you know, that not enough. Uh, I think like it'd be best to, put a comic out once a quarter but you know with in the, in the indie market you know you you usually working with artists that have full-time jobs and yep. you know you you don't have the funds to pay right away and you're, you're working on a limited budget so you know i i think that uh as we go on and as we as there's more and more fan base i think that we will be able to get a comic out once a quarter and yeah you're gonna have to write something quicker you're going to have to make sure that, again, like I always say, you're, you're, you're based on your last comic. So your next comic better be better than your last. Uh, you, know, you, you build fan base from each one that you put out. But if your next one sucks, you could lose fan base. People could be like, well, you know, like, I did, this, is, you know, this isn't going the way I thought it was going to go. I'm not going to pick up the next one or I'm not going to back the next Kickstarter. So you are like, I mean, it's just like any kind of job you're doing, you – the fans are your are your boss, and you need to make sure that you're 
you know, you're performing at your best and you're giving them something that makes them want to pick up the next one and see like what is going on with these characters and where are they going? Uh, so it's been, I feel so far, I feel like I've been doing that job. Um, if anybody doesn't feel that way, please don't comment on it. Cause it'll totally destroy <laughs> me. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Bob, dude, it was it was an absolute pleasure to have you on. We definitely have to have you come back. Uh, before we let you go and head to break, please uh, plug your social media and your websites to where everybody can t- can find you, can find Salvagers, and immerse themselves in this awesome world that you've created. Thank you. Well, right now we are on Facebook is probably our main platform that we're on, and it's facebook.com slash Salvager Series. And if you go on there right now, I'm actually we just hit 12,000 likes. So I posted up a free PDF of issue one and issue two, yeah. and I'll be taking that down this week. So if, you, uh, if you're listening, go to the Facebook page and you can get a free sample, free PDF of issue one and issue two. We're always putting up amazing art. We have Tyler Kirkham art. We have Sajad Shah art. We, uh, we try to give back to the fans as much as we can. If you're looking for us in Comixology, just search uh, Think Alike Productions or you can search Salvagers. We have all four issues are available there. And uh, if you're looking for the print version, you can go to www.salvagers.bigcartel.com. And as always, we're on uh, Instagram at Salvager Series. Awesome. Uh, Jimmy, Bob- thank you for having me on. And uh, it was great hanging out with you at C2E2. Absolutely. Uh, what's your, what, before we let you go, what's your, what's your, uh, what's your con schedule? What's the next, uh, your next appearance? Well, I'm going to uh, I'm going to be doing obviously I'm going to be doing the uh, free free comic book day in um, in around Boston area. <clears throat> I'm going to be in Harvard Square, and uh, then I'm going to be doing Cheyenne Comic Con May 13th, 14th, and 15th. I hope I got those dates right. The weekend of 13th, 14th, 15th, mm-hmm. and that's in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Uh, the uh, the guys over at Loft Comics invited me out there and i'm very happy to uh be going out there the west coast is amazing c2e2 was my first time out there and the the fans and the other creators out there are awesome uh i'm probably going to be hitting boston comic-con and new york comic-con but i my we do have a our second child on the way so the rest of my con schedule is probably going to be a little limited this year okay and then we'll be uh, hitting it hard in 2017 Awesome, man. Hey, dude, it, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thanks so much for uh, for joining us. And, no problem. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Let me know uh, when the next thing you have going, man. We gotta, we're got we definitely going to have to have you back on. And even just as a guest, just to fill in and talk about our banter that we have, man. You're, you're, anytime, it, anytime. It's great Jimmy, to talk to you. Show. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Mr. Stan Kanopka and the great Philadelphia Comic-Con, we'll be back. <laughs> Frankenstein created a monster. He lost control. Now, the era of monsters has begun. With a robot army at his command, Dr. Frankenstein battles vampires, zombies, werewolves, and monsters. No one is safe. Everything is monstrous. I got a hangover. Hey, 
what's up? Welcome back to the Ninja Starship. We are live from Podcast Detroit Studios above Activate Gaming. Joining us via Skype is the man in charge of the great Philadelphia Comic-Con, Mr. Stan Kanapka. How you doing, sir? Not too shabby, brother. How are you? Fantastic. Yeah, to, be, to, be, to be clear, I'm only managing Artist Sally. Oh, Those all right. You're managing Artist Sally. Okay. Everybody else, that's a headache I'm not willing to take on yet. Right on. But hey, you're still, you're still kind of technically the man. You know what I'm saying? The, Stan the man. Did I lose him? No. Oh shit, I lost no, I'm just him. Stan, man, I'm just Stan. Oh, there he is. There he is. All right, sorry, we had a little no, bit of scare. I was like, I, that was like that joke where the guy made the fat joke about his wife, and then you know, the, like the the phone cut out. Cut so off. yeah. <laughs> so uh, you yeah, know, uh, Chris, Chris is running the show. I'm running the artist alley, and and uh, I, I hear you and uh, your friends maybe doing a little work. That's uh, from what I hear. I, you know, I, I, I don't want to to say anything just yet, but I was. Uh, it was proposed that I could be moderating up to six different panels. Which oh, you could be. That's that's <laughs> to me. That's insane. But I'm I'm in. I'm in, man. Like you know, the, there's no better way to get into it than head first. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> so, uh, tell us what what uh what what can we expect from this magnificent con that is happening this weekend? Oh my goodness, I don't even know where to start. Where you want to start with celebrities? Do you want yeah. to start with costs? I tell you what, let's let's start Play? with let's start, start with, with uh, let's start with what you're running directly, Artist Alley. Let's go with that, and then All we'll right. go from there. I have uh, put together one hell of an Artist Alley this year. There's a a very diverse group. We have a lot of independent comic book creators. We have a bunch of wonderful print and illustrator artists. Uh, it, it's just it, it's an it's an amazing thing. Like uh, you know, we go from you know Source Point Press. I know you guys know them. Yeah, they're sponsored all, the show. <laughs> there you go. All, all the way down to the King of Ski Ball. The King of Ski Ball. Yes, the King of Ski Ball. This is the gamut we are running. For this show, dude, that's like I mean, royalty. Yeah, it, it does say the king. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we have just so many people. I mean, just to name a few, we have Jay Fosgett. I know I've heard you guys talking to him. Oh a yeah, bit. yeah, good big friend of the show. Absolutely. We have Sean Von Gorman, Matt Miner. Uh, oh my goodness, I, I don't even know Paris Collins, Scott Bachman. Scott Hanna, a local uh, celebrity from my area, is coming out. Sean Langley. Uh, it's just it's some amazing, amazing people. And we got Josh Dahl. I know you know Josh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh is a good Epic friend, City too. Below Zero. Yeah, he's taking names and selling comics, man. Fantastic. And we got the guys from, uh, I hope, I hope I don't, Kachal or Kachal Comics. It's uh, uh, Kevin Joseph with uh, Tart and Underwars. They're doing a special. A sketch cover for us actually of their underwars it's uh you know the blank cover with our logo on it it looks pretty freaking cool hell yeah i'm looking at uh i'm looking at it right now man online you got neil uh neil adams joel adams uh you got uh michigan boy ethan van skyver uh, oh yeah i mean you know the the <laughs> the list is is on and on man of of awesome talent here uh, like you said, Sean Langley uh, or Sean Langley, uh, Tommy Castillo. I mean, this is this is royalty, man. This this is this is a hell We're of a working. con that you've got. Yeah, we have Chris Campagna. I mean, this guy can 
this guy can draw. This guy can draw. He does all kinds of wonderful work, Marvel, DC, independent stuff. We have, you know, huh, your boy Jason from An Elegant Weapons coming there to represent again. This is his third con he's been working with us. Well, speaking of, of Mr. J. Clark, we do have a phone call. Uh, go ahead. You're on the air with uh, Ninja Starship. Hi, Ninja Starship. How's it going? It's going great. Does this happen to be Mr. Jason Clark? This is Mr. Jason Clark. Oh, and, speak uh, of the devil. Yeah, my favorite Canadian. <laughs> I'm, turning, I'm turning into one of your wacky zany regulars, Jimmy. That's okay. You're more than welcome. <laughs> the Canadian whack pack. Well, I had to call in knowing that Stan was on the show. Stan is a long-time friend. Well, Stan is the creative force behind Nemesis Studios, who has sponsored an Elegant Weapon podcast for several years now. And, uh, yeah, Stan has done one hell of a job putting this artist alley together. Philly is going to be absolutely nuts. I can't wait. Oh, thanks, man. I can't wait either. So in the first three days or so. <laughs> well, you know, there's 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 a, a bit of a a bit of a I don't know what to call it a bit of a surge happening with Comic Cons these days, and a lot of shows are trying to get back to the heart of what a Comic Con is. And uh, you know, I, I've never seen more heart poured into an artist alley before than uh, than what Stan that, has done here you know stan is one of the most genuine and loyal human beings i've ever known in my life to know that i'm going to get to an artist alley that is put together by this guy's blood sweat and tears is an absolute honor so uh like you guys were saying the lineup is one of the nuttiest artist alley lineups i have ever come across so kudos my friends yeah, Thank well done. Much, well man. done. Like I said when we first started talking about this, Jason, it's a little tiny dream I had just from hearing from all of my friends at Create Comics. I mean, people I don't even know. I mean, never met really. But I hear all the complaints and all the things that should have been done and weren't done. And I've just been quietly jotting them down in a little notebook. And uh, as soon as the opportunity was presented to me, I, I, know, I asked if I could make this a, uh, a real independent comic book. Artist Alley, you know, we get get everybody together. We get as many independent creators as I could possibly find. Put together some of the best illustrators that are out there. In my area, in your area, I, we have people coming from everywhere. We've had a guy buy a ticket from Taiwan. Oh, and, and as you know, that's where they make everything. Right. So, <laughs> in case of a zombie yeah, apocalypse, we grab that guy. Nice. <laughs> well, they are, no, it's not just like. I, I don't know. Just I, I'm very excited. There's tons of artists are going to be there that I've known online as well and never actually gotten the chance to meet. Guys, you mentioned Sean Von Gorman, Matt Miner, Kevin Joseph. You know, and you know having Sean Langley and Josh Dahl together, Dirk Manning, Source Point Press. This this is just an out of control situation, and I cannot wait. And I'm so honored and pleased that uh, Points of Interest is the official network of the show. Uh, yeah, me, uh, Jimmy, and of course, El Hawkes will be there. Uh, we will be your hosts with the most, and it's going to be good times. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, we have uh, we have uh, the an elegant weapon live panel Sunday at three p.m. in panel room three. Let's talk about that for a, a second. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, well, last year uh, did we do one last year? I, well, I did a few live panels last year. I don't think we did a show, but uh, at the previous show. Uh, the Great Allentown Comic Con, which uh, Chris and Carla also run. Uh, they were kind enough to let me do a live episode from there uh, last year, and that was a 
amazing time, you know. Uh, had Mick Minecci as a guest on the show, uh, Bell Cher, Sony Aralyn were there and uh, hanging out, and it was a fantastic time. So I cannot wait to do it again. It's going to be fun to close out the show. So it's going to be fun that uh, we'll have a lot to talk about that's happened over the weekend uh, oh, when absolutely. we get to the show. So, yeah, <laughs> Especially Saturday gonna, night. <laughs> yeah, and, Saturday's yeah, going to be knows, crazy. You know, maybe we'll do what we can. Maybe a special guest or two. Maybe we'll be able to wrangle on in there. But uh, it's definitely going to be you, me, and Al Hawkins, Jimmy, and we're going to be doing it up. And uh, as I said, I cannot wait. Oh, yeah, I, I can't either, I'm man. I, I, I'm more excited for, for that panel than any of the other opportunities that uh, could arise that weekend. I uh, w- Once I found oh, out, oh, yeah. it's like... Austin St. John isn't a good one. You know, I wasn't trying to mention it just yet. I wasn't trying... <laughs> but, uh, you know, among, amongst the other panels that uh, I will be moderating, the the uh, the Elegant Weapon Live, or an Elegant Weapon Live is is definitely on the, the, top, the top three of the panels. No, that's that's just kind of you to say, but I know you're going to be going Power Ranger crazy, Jimmy, because it's a <laughs> it's a Power Ranger heavy show. Philly knows how to do Power Rangers right, so you're going to be in heaven. I am. I'm. I'm. I'm right there, man. <laughs> this year, Chris worked like mad overtime, and he got Amy Joe Johnson to come to the show. I mean, you yeah. can't get yeah. out of the house of a house fire. <laughs> no, man. I mean, I live in the same city as her, pretty much, and she's like only been spotted once. So, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, that, it's a big deal that she's going to be there. So, Power Ranger fans, get over there because you you don't run in oh, even yeah. here where she lives in Toronto. You don't you don't you don't hear about her doing much. So. No, that's true. When uh, when uh, uh, Jason actually uh, uh, started talking to me about this. He was like, you know, he's like, he's like, you should come down to Philly, man. He's like, I think it'd really be worth your while. It's very, very Power Ranger heavy. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know, man. But, I, you know, I, I got a lot of work to do and I'm, I'm trying to build the show here and this and that. And he's like, yeah, you know, but there's this person and this person. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, I understand. He's like, but then there's Amy Jo Johnson coming. And I'm like, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, listen, I, I also know that, that Stan's specific purpose today is to promote the Great Philadelphia Comic Con, but uh, I know he's too humble to do this himself. So I want to make sure that the world knows about Nemesis Studios and the fine things that Stan is doing over there with the man with no horse. And uh, Stan is his own comic book writer, and he's coming up doing his thing. So pay lots of attention to uh, Nemesis Studios because good things will be coming. I do not quit. <laughs> Thank you. You, cannot. you know me very well. No, no, Stan, you're the shit. Jimmy, you're the shit. I'll let you guys get into it and, uh, you know, close your thing out. But, uh, Jimmy, thank you for letting me call and harass you all the time. Hey, not a problem, man. You're always welcome to call and harass me. It's okay. Hey, Jay, thanks for calling <laughs> and saving my ass. <laughs> hey, no problem, guys. That's what I'm here for. Podcast Detroit DOI. We're going to do it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks for calling in, Jay. All right, take it easy, guys. Awesome. Uh, so, Stan, uh, why don't why don't you tell me some of the things that you are 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 uh, very much looking forward to uh, with the Philadelphia Comic Con? Well, to be honest with you, this is my first opportunity as not being a creator. Mm-hmm. to extend myself out into the comic book world a little bit. So I'm making contacts. I'm talking to people. I'm meeting everyone that I've wanted to meet. Uh, it's just it's, – it's going to be – in my opinion, I'll be the sweatiest guy in the room probably. Uh, <laughs> but I'll be running around with my, like my – like a chicken with its head cut off. And basically I just want 
everyone to be happy. That's I know that sounds silly, but I've seen so many shows and I've been to so many shows where Artist Alley is not even a second thought. They don't even it doesn't even come up. It's just guys that pay for a table and you should be happy that we sold you a table type of thing. Right. And this is different. Now I'm you know I'm taking care of people. I'm making sure we have enough volunteers and Chris and Carla have you know given me as much help as anyone could possibly give uh, you know from contact information to you know an, a legit email set up with the the comic con and you know all that stuff is just it, it blows my mind to be honest with you I'm just a comic book writer <laughs> a writer really I mean I got into comic books because novels weren't selling right anyone can make a novel I figured and then I got into comic books and realized holy crap anyone can do this too <laughs> <laughs> and I thought to myself hmm I wonder if anyone can fly <laughs> Apparently that didn't work. Did you try that? Feeling is a bad story about that. Once in a while, I'll just go for like a weird superpower to see if I have it. You know, it's like okay, that didn't work. It's like I, parkour. I, I got this. I often lay in bed and try to turn off my lights of my mind. Has yet to work. Like you got your own force, your own force. Yeah, like, yeah. I just, if I think like the light will shut off. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's worked a few times, times but it usually involves me yelling for my roommate to turn it off for me. <laughs> I still have to clap her. Yeah. So, so how exactly did you get put into charge of the Philadelphia uh, or Sally? Okay. Well, uh, a couple years ago, Jason, like Jason was saying, with the Great Allentown Comic Con, uh, it was one of my first shows I ever exhibited at. I just never had the nerve to, you know, put together stuff and sit there. And, you know, I'm not a very social person as it were i like kind of like to stay in my little writer's hole and write but um i spoke to the promoter chris and i met his family carla and his brother andrew and you know i worked throughout the the show doing my comic book thing and saw people running around and saw stuff like that and i just thought hey maybe i could get into helping so i volunteered my assistance to to help with one of the shows and i did a pretty decent job i would assume because no one you know yelled at me or threw anything heavy at me um, after that, I just you know waited till he came up with the Great Philly show and said, "Hey, if you don't mind, I'd like to get involved with this." And two years later, now I'm managing Artist Alley for him. Hell yeah, man! That's the that, that's, that's, that's that's moving up fast, <laughs> though. You know, really that, that's well, great you know, stuff. I, I find if there's a need, I fill it, so to speak. I don't have time to wait for other people to ask me if I want, want to do stuff. I just let's go get it. So what were what were some of the what were some of the challenges that that you uh, uh, encountered you know booking Artist Alley uh, you know as now as you're the man in charge of doing that what were some of the things that you kind of you know oh I didn't expect this or oh this is harder than I thought but yet it, I mean obviously you know looking at the the lineup you pulled it off <laughs> well yeah we we got we got some stuff together and we did pull it off so far let's see let's see how it goes on Friday Saturday and Sunday but. Um, <laughs> A few obstacles, and they're just real simple things. I mean, I can't complain about divas or about someone being difficult because right. I'm the world's biggest pain in the ass. I even have a button, <laughs> uh, and my psychiatrist gave it to me. It's a long story. Right but, on. <laughs> uh, the biggest obstacle, really, and this is going to sound stupid, is replies. Just reply. Gotcha. I sent you an email. I gave you a golden goose. Don't throw it out the window and wait till the last minute. Reply. That's all. Even the big guys, just reply. I'm not saying, hey, man, I want to take half of your liver. I'm saying, hey, you want to come be an exhibitor? You want to come be a, a vendor? And, you know, the, it was quite reasonable, I have to admit. If you look at all the prices from all the cons, all the major ones, 
and look look at their photo ops, look at their ticket prices, look at their VIP passes, uh, look at their their lineup. I mean, are you going to spend four hours in line, five hours in line to meet you know a guy from a comic book who wasn't even in the comic book? They just wrote him in for TV mm-hmm. with a crossbow. Really, you want to you want you want to stand in line that long to meet him? Okay, go ahead. There's four hundred dollars. Right. Or <laughs> you can come to an, another big show and do everything you want to do. Okay, so we don't have bow and arrow guy, but we've got the penguin. <laughs> All right, we've got the penguin. We've got enough Power Rangers to start our own crew. We've got independent comic book creators that have never been to the area. It's just amazing. But only thing I have to complain about really is like replies, man. Just when someone sends you an email, it's just like a text message. You hear it go off, bring Mm-hmm. You have five minutes within social norms to return that text. Otherwise, you're an ass. Oh, I see. I see. So you got to so, be on your game like 100% with this. Well, yeah, especially when we're doing time-sensitive stuff. Like if I have to get – like let's say, for, for instance, Sean Langley, mm-hmm. amazing artist. He's doing a – he did a wonderful exclusive Star Wars print for the show. Now, these will be available at the, the merch booth at the con. Uh, as, along with all the other amazing exclusive art like uh, Sean Langley did a Star Wars print and it's absolutely beautiful and it has everyone that is at our show from Star Wars on the print hell yeah man so, yeah and he was quick he was bing bang boom done you know here you go and everybody else got their stuff to me at, at you know uh, reasonable time all the art you're going to see that was created for the show all that happened within a reasonable time. Now, there's a bunch of other stuff that was planned that, you know, the ball was dropped. But based on what we have, I don't think that's going to matter. Right on. I'm not trying to be arrogant about it. I'm just like, it's we're at the end of the road here. And I'm just looking at the show. And I'm looking at all of the guests. And I'm watching the, the fan posts. And I'm watching the, the posts that I put up there. And I'm just... You know, I get emails from this guy. From that, I got like famous people emailing me and asking me questions. I'm like, um, I'm just a dude. <laughs> Stan, yeah. it was such a pleasure to have you on, man. Please go ahead and 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 plug plug your social media and and the the uh, Philadelphia Comic Con website where everybody can see where the hell they should be this weekend. Absolutely. Thank you very much. I will forego my personal plugs and throw them all towards the con. Come to the great Philadelphia Comic Con this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at the Oaks. What is it called? The Greater Philadelphia Expo Center at Oaks, PA. You will not, you will not regret it. Awesome. Thanks so much, Dan, for calling in. We really appreciate it, and I will see you this weekend, brother. Yes, you will, and I'll apologize for my rambling when I see you. No, you're all good, man. No worries. (laughs) All right, take care. Later, brother. Thank you. Later. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you just tuned in and missed the show, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening app. Please don't forget to leave some iTunes reviews. Those are very important. And check out our brand new website, ninjastarpod.com. Also, this weekend, as Stan just said, April 22nd through the 24th, you can catch me and the rest of the POI alumni moderating panels and doing our damn thing at the Great Philadelphia Comic Con. Until next week, that's a show.